Sandy Alcantara. Sandy Alcantara. Complete game shutout from Sandy. We're digging into that with Isaac Azut, who was there at the ballpark. Eyeballs on Sandy. Plus, recapping on the deadline and the moves, or lack of, that the Marlins made. And looking ahead to this Cubs series and beyond on today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, of course, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Subscribe to the pod. Yes, it's available everywhere and it's free. You can get it for free wherever you want. Also, hit subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching. Greetings. You can see me and you can see my guest. Isaac Azut is in the house. Isaac, how are we doing, brother? Doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been too long since we've done this. It definitely has, because the YouTube channel was not live the last time we spoke. So that says we haven't spoken for, like, at least over a month. Way too long, um, albeit the Fish Stripes guys and the content machine that is Fish Stripes keeps you busy, no doubt about it. You know, there's content live streams coming out. You know, literally it feels like daily as well. It's almost like a daily pod in itself. So um, how are you doing? And firstly, how was the game last night? Wow. Well, you know, we we're a little biased in going to yesterday's game. It was Sandy Alcantara day and I was a little nervous after that first inning. You know, he mm-hmm. loaded the bases with one out. Boy, oh boy, like we said, you know, before we started recording, he's not exactly Mark Burley out there in fielding, but he was able to get out of it. And after, from that point on, it was it was vintage Sandy Alcantara. He struck out three guys only, but he went the complete game through 83 pitches from innings two to nine. That is what I call vintage Sandy. It's not the guy that strikes out 10 and walks three, not the guy that strikes out 14 and walks four. It's the guy that strikes out three batters and does it in a very efficient way. No doubt about it. Three Ks for Sandy. That's all he needs. He's not even after the Ks. He's after just ground ball machine, get it rolling, a couple of fly balls in there, a couple of, you know, misfields and zings over to first base. You know, it was the full plethora, I think, from Sandy. But when you're sitting there, and you were sat right behind home plate last night as well. So you had literally the, the bird's eye scout's view. I'm, I'm shocked you didn't have a, a you know the speedo up kind of tracking the, uh, the speed he was throwing at. But just how different does it look when Sandy's on the mound versus other guys? It's fast. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's premium velocity. He's 97, 98 with the movement that he can generate on his pitches. Yeah. It's remarkable. You can see Joey Votto right after as he made the last out. He even told Sandy, like, wow, like, well done. It's phenomenal. We are right behind home plate, so we're able to see the radar gun behind the center field wall as well as just seeing the ball hit Stolly's yeah. glove instantly. I don't know how anybody, much less, you know, major leaguers can make contact, at, you know, the way they do. But Sandy, mm-hmm. it really is a pleasure to watch him, especially so close. You know, my girlfriend was like, he throws really fast. Like, yeah, <laughs> he does. He definitely, he definitely does. He was absolutely on fire yesterday. Um, are you thinking he wins the the NL side? Yeah. So um, I, we said it. I think about a couple months ago. All star is an obvious statement. Cy Young probably, and MVP is the one that's up for debate in my opinion. I think he's a surefire Cy Young Award winner at this point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he had a little bit of a slump, quote unquote. You know, in his last two starts, that Pittsburgh game, which he struck out ten guys. 
Yeah. And that start against the Mets where they got him, you know, Starling yeah. Marte got him and he came right back out and threw a complete game shutout. So I, I would say unless Corbin Burns leads the Brewers into a crazy run in the second half, it's mm. Sandy's a war to lose. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think the the MVP one is interesting and up for grabs. The the kind of ascension of Austin Riley recently is you know is he is absolutely scorching. He's also 200 million bucks, I think, uh, richer as well. So, you know, signs his extension. Yeah, you know, typically when from what I've seen anyway, and when extensions are signed, players kind of to cool off a little bit. So you know, let's hope that the the extension kind of weighs him down a bit. It's definitely um you know. For Avi Garcia this year, it's definitely uh, weighed him down that fifty million or whatever. So, no doubt. But Sandy Alcantara, I think, nailed on um, Cy Young winner for for the fish. The MVP, I think, still is is right in. You know, it's it's up it's up there. It's possible, and it feels a bit like when Stanton went on that run. Where and you know, for me as a UK fan, I used to make sure I'd watch at least the first inning, and the Marlins seemed to get in this groove. D Gordon leading off. If you remember, Big G was in the two hole, which was kind of like unique at that point. Yeah. Big uh, D Gordon would get on base. Next thing is there'd be a two run shot from Stanton. You'd be like, oh boy, here we go. And that'd be me. I'd be like, that's me done. I'm going to sleep. But you know, <laughs> it, it's going to be funny because you you got so many eyeballs in on these like Stanton at bats. It's the same, and we saw that with Bally Sports. I think Jeremy Taché put it out earlier today to say the Bally Sports viewing figures for a Sandy start it's 20 percent more than anyone else. So uh, people want to see Sandy. Um, no doubt. And I think that's going to be the real story for the fish as we kind of head into August and September. Um, can he do it? I think he can. Like, I, you know, if he does, he will, he will deserve it because the Marlins are not going to be in the postseason this year. So to win the MVP like Stanton did, yeah. when you, when you're not on a postseason team, I think he will have earned it and it will be unanimous almost if he does. So we'll wait and see uh, on that one. Uh, final thoughts on that. Yeah, well, you know, in 2014, I think Kershaw was the last pitcher to win the MVP, and that was to barely edge out Stanton. That was a year that Sen's season was cut short with a fastball to the face by Mike Fires. Mm. Um, so I think maybe it's possible, but I'm under the assumption that I think it should go to a position player, someone that's in there every single day and probably brought his team to at least close to a postseason spot. But, uh, you know, at least just the fact that it's a conversation to have is amazing. So. Kudos yeah. to Sandy's to be the Cy Young Award winner. And the fact that he's going to get some first place votes for MVP is just amazing. Absolutely. And uh, what we got to see as well post game yesterday was Pablito. Pablito is still here. And Pablito giving Sandy the uh, the Gatorade shower, which was great to see. Sandy took it like an absolute king. Like yeah. he takes everything like a king. He just stood there and said, yeah, just soak me, baby. No need for Mag Sierra running and, and missing uh, with, the, with the ice bucket. Um, he spoke after the game as well. I uh, was asked about it after the game anyway, Sandy, around, you know, Pablo and how happy he is for him to be around. I mean, the dust has settled now on the deadline, mate. You know, there was a lot of buzz, a lot of chatter. Clearly, you know, teams are calling on Pablo. Sounds like momentum brewed with the Yankees, the Dodgers too, it seems, maybe one or two others. You know, a deal wasn't done. When we kind of sit back and reflect on that now, how are you feeling about that specifically? Well, I think I think Fish Charts did a good job of mentioning that is that the number one reason to maybe not trade him is that that's Sandy Alcantara's best friend. He's been outspoken about that, and they love having each other next to each other in that yeah. clubhouse, in that locker room. So I think that would have maybe made Sandy a little bit, you know, distraught. It's the last thing you want to do is is piss off your ace. I was under the assumption that he wasn't to get dealt. I was I was pretty pretty certain, but I I think that it might happen in the off season. 
unfortunately, they didn't do much else, obviously, aside from that one deal, which I'm sure we'll get into. But mm. I would have liked to see a lot more. I, however, according to the reports, you know, it was a Glaber Torres centered deal with the Yankees. I'm glad they didn't go that route. I, Me I, too. I wouldn't have liked that. And I was hoping for one of those young <laughs> shortstop prospects that they have in their system. But if, yeah. if that was it, if it was Glaber Torres for that's the main piece, I'm glad they didn't go that route. Oh, me too. And I saw something on Twitter that kind of got me, it piqued my interest, I'm not going to lie, where you're thinking, okay, if they were to pull that deal, it's like my read on it was that the Yankees thought they had a deal done because they actually went and dealt a pitcher like 10 minutes before that. And you're thinking, yeah. okay, they're expecting to get Pablo Lopez, maybe someone else. I don't know, but let's assume they thought they were going to get Pablo. So they've dealt the pitcher, Montgomery. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, Gleyber Torres was seemingly one of the big pieces in this in this return. That then makes you question, okay, you, you're getting in Gleyber. Where's he going to play? Like, where where is he going to fit in? What does that mean for Jazz? What does that mean for other guys? Like, what, what would that have meant? Or, like, what are the indicators there? If the Marlins are thinking about adding another middle infielder, like, it's that is an interesting question and puzzle. Something we maybe won't be clear for a while but i don't know i mean the problem that i think for the fish now i was talking about it on yesterday's episode um with sam sam clark was uh you know miggy Rowe. the glove is great but yeah. the league has moved on now where it is not a glove first position anymore shortstop they just you just need so much more thump and you need much more of a bat there in that position these days and, and miggy's never going to offer that and so i think they really do need to think about how they go about that position what about you yeah, the fact that Glaber was someone that was reportedly targeted and Gavin Lux was another reported name out there. Those yep. are the second base guys. You know, Glaber Torres isn't going to play shortstop for you. Gavin Lux is mainly a second baseman. That yeah. shows to me is that they're, they haven't moved on from the fact that Jazz Chisholm could maybe be a shortstop. Yep. We saw him briefly there in 2020, a little bit more in 2021. I think he profiles much better at second base. Arm mm -hmm. strength, he's looked so comfortable out there. He's made some silly errors once in a while, but he looks really good in second base. So the fact that they were targeting those two guys specifically shows to me that, hey, they're, they haven't moved on from the fact that maybe Jazz Chisholm can be their everyday offensive-oriented shortstop, like you mentioned. The other uh, rule of thought that, along this th uh, theme anyway, is uh, the Loud Marlins uh, thought, which is maybe that the Marlins are looking to move Jazz Chisholm at some point. Clearly, the... the, the uh, the issues right now with health mean that it was probably not possible at this deadline. But could you ever see the Marlins moving Jazz Chisholm at this moment in time, you know, even in this offseason? I mean, for me, it just makes absolutely zero sense. So I'm more like you. Maybe they're thinking, listen, Jazz, we're going to need to get you back in a shortstop. OK, there's going to be some defensive struggles there, but the stick's going to play. Um, we need another stick in second base. I think that's the most likely, right? Yeah, I mean, since Jose, they have not had someone gain national attention the way Jazz has and the no. way that he's performing enough to back it up, it would make less than zero sense to move him. You know, you're just going to make fans angrier than they already are due to the <laughs> product on the field. You're trading your arguably your best hitter, your most, you know, your franchise player, aside from Sandy Alcantara. It would mm -hmm. make no sense to me. I don't know why that would even be considered a thought for, for the front office. He has so many years of control. He's dirt cheap right now. Yeah. And he's a fun player to have. He's your leadoff hitter. He can be your three hitter. He can be your cleanup hitter. He can be your ninth batter. And he can play center field if you ask him to. So I, to me, it made, that theory didn't make much sense to me at all. That is another interesting uh, flex in this one. I remember, I remember way back, Glenn Geffner, I think, uh, mentioned that possibility yeah. 
yeah. was just a, a suggestion. It wasn't that it was reported or he was, you know, heard that. He was just saying the Marlins need to, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but effectively he was saying the Marlins maybe need to think outside the box to handle this center field situation. Maybe Jazz Chisholm could profile as that kind of player. I don't know. Something along those lines from, from Geff. I, yeah. When I heard that, I was like, wow, that could make a ton of sense. You know, they ended up going down with, with Jesus Sanchez effectively for, for the majority of the season in center field. Yeah. Now, now they're kind of you know deviating a little bit away from that. But Jesus Sanchez specifically, what have you made of his year this year? I know it's not been amazing with a stick, no doubt, but like I do wonder how much this center field role has impacted him more generally. Yeah, you beat me too. I think they did him a disservice by mm. having him. This is his first full season. This was his first full season. And having him learn an entirely new position. He hadn't yeah. played that since single A, if I'm not mistaken. He hadn't played center field yeah. in a very long time. He has the arm. He has the speed to maybe fake it out there. But to put him in big, big Lone Depot Park where you have to take care of Soler and Avi in the corners and really make up some ground there and to learn a whole, you know, a whole pitching staff of like the whole league again for a whole full season. It was, I don't think they did the right thing there. I don't know if you, you know, you've been on Twitter breaking news here. He's going to be optioned tomorrow to AAA. Jesus Sanchez. Yes. Wow. For Peyton Burdick? We were wondering before, yep, we were wondering before what the move would be. There you go. There you go. Sanchez being sent down. So that's tough for him. He's he's such a great guy. He's the biggest, best smile on the team. But he'll figure it out. To me, he's too talented of a hitter to not be successful. We know he has no approach at all, but the combination of zero approach and having being as talented with the stick as he is, that's Mm -hmm. what you get a 200 hitter that can hit some home runs. So hopefully he just learns a little bit on an approach and gets better, and we'll see him again before the year's end. Wow, wow, wow. There you have it. Breaking news on Locked On Marlins. It's a, it's a shame this isn't an actual live stream, but nevertheless, right. um, this will be coming out real, real soon. Um, so Jesus Sanchez will be optioned, and Peyton Burdick will be uh, promoted from AAA. Peyton Burdick specifically, a view on him this year. He's been, it looked like he's been performing well at AAA, as was Blood A. So interesting that they've kind of gone Blood A, Burdick, bang, bang, get up there, boys, and let's see what you can do. Yeah, well, hey, they're both 2019 draft picks. Wright State for Burdick, uh, Vanderbilt for Blade. He had an okay year this year, Burdick. I know in 2021, he had that awesome season where, you know, mm-hmm. they were, or, sorry, 2019, where they were saying, oh, maybe for Wilson Contreras. They said no. And he's sort of come down to earth again this year, and he's been spent the whole year in AAA, putting good walk numbers, striking out a little bit much, but he walks and he hits for power. So I think that's sort of the new game of baseball. And I think he'll be fine. I think he profiles well in center field. I want, I am curious to see where they put him, him or Blade mm. in center. Me too. In a perfect world, Blade would go to left. They keep Avi in right. Well, he's hurt right now. So I really don't know what they're going to do. Honestly, maybe Blade in right. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be some interesting defensive scrambles starting tomorrow in Wrigley Field, which is not Absolutely. an easy outfield. It's not. No, it's it's an awkward one out there, I guess. And uh, you got the ivy and the, the walls to worry about too. So, yeah, that is interesting. The fact that Jesus Sanchez option Burdick up. Um, obviously, Dela Cruz is still there, so maybe Dela Cruz will play some. Billy Hamilton played center field uh, yesterday, so you know they're mixing a match now. Luke Williams, I guess, had a career day as well yesterday, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, Williams looked on fire. I mean, I mean, let's not forget. I mean, let's talk about Luke Williams. I mean, he's he did the business yesterday. He basically was doing his best John Birdie impression, in my opinion. But what do you make yeah. of him? 
spraying the ball all over the place. He was someone that him and Acevedo had pegged for AAA for des- you know for designation at some point. But yeah. Luke Williams has done the most with his opportunity so far. There was a point where he was one of the hotter hitters on the team, and he's you know getting a little bit more stars, especially against lefty Mike Miner on the mound yesterday. And he was spraying line drives everywhere. He was stealing bases. He was yeah. making things happen for this team for a really depleted lineup that Sandy had behind him yesterday. Yeah, he was he was a John Birdie like you said, and it was yeah. good to see. He's a good guy. Yeah, I think that's, it's not a shocker to me that Birdie goes down and the juice really just kind of sapped away from this uh, this lineup. It really did. Like, and, and to Donnie's point a few weeks back, like we, again, I'm paraphrasing, but effectively saying we've just got a ton of the same dudes that, you know, have got the same holes in their swings too. And the power slider just, just strike out galore because they're all just the same kind of dudes and they lack the the contact skills. They lack the, mo- the mobility and, you know, it just, you get into this, kind of roll fish where you know the, the the pitchers just take control but yeah great to see luke williams doing that let's get the first ad out of the way because i'm six minutes out uh, late on that one but you know we've dug into it and there's been breaking news so i'll, I'll tell my bosses that um <laughs> this this episode guys it's brought to you by our good friends over at bluenile.com isaac i can't recall you're not engaged yet right no i'm not engaged <laughs> Well, this ad could be for you then, brother. BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating custom engagement rings to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece. So if you're thinking about engagement, BlueNile, they've got simple online tools to let you choose the diamond shape, size, bigger is better, and clarity, as well as setting style. BlueNile's jewelers then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each one, one of a kind. Bespoke. Bespoke jewelry for your bride to be. And... Once the ring is on it, you then got to think ahead. What else am I going to get her in the future? So you're then looking for fine jewelry and having trouble choosing? Don't worry, Blue Nile. they got jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going now, it's the Blue Nile anniversary sale. So you can save up to 40%, 4 0 on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings plus... Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. You can shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Okay. I know I can see Isaac typing away there, thinking about BlueNile.com. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No doubt. So, um, I mean, we'll, let, let's kind of get into this Cubs series. Then we'll kind of maybe circle back around to um, some of the deadline bits that, that didn't happen, maybe, and maybe did. Um, but the Cubs series now, Burdick's up. Interesting news, exciting. It's another watchable piece. What about the fact that Edward Cabrera also is expected to be up as well? Like, I think Eddie's going to be back from his IL stint um, and his rehab starts, likely to take the ball on Friday. For me, and I tweeted about it earlier, this is such a critical period for Edward Cabrera. In my opinion, the Marlins and him both need to see he's got to pitch out now every five days right through the rest of the year. I think that is so critical to the Marlins in terms of what, and, and to Edward Cabrera, but also as they head into an offseason, which will be huge and they will need to move some arms, Cabrera needs to either be a inked-in starter or someone they can move. Yeah, he needs to stay healthy. That's the thing yeah. with him. He, he's got to stay healthy. We've seen it when he is healthy and he's available. He wipes people out. He's looked great in his rehab starts. I've asked, you know, people have been paying attention. He's throwing 98, 99. He's throwing those 92 mile an hour changeups. So he I looks know. good. He looks healthy. I think this is, a, like you said, it's a huge two months for him, August and September. 
you don't want to put too much weight on any one September numbers, especially a pitchers, you know, in my opinion, depending on who you're playing. So this really is a big two months to see what Miami has. You know, Luzardo's back, Edward is back, you have Sandy, you have Pablo still, you have yeah. Trevor Rodgers who's on the you know IL. So you got you just gotta see who who's in that rotation and, and who's gonna who's expendable in a way, you know, who maybe goes to the bullpen. They gotta see. And that was a time since, you know, unfortunately the season is all but over, competitively anyway. It is. I'm, I'm with you. Just the one guy you didn't mention there in the rotation, Braxton Garrett this year. Boy, oh boy, what, so what progression? What, what's been going on with the Brax? He's absolutely turned it around. Because, like, let's all be honest, heading into this year, we're all seeing him as, like, you know, how can the Marlins maybe trade him for anything, effectively? Like, we're at that stage, I think, with Brax, where I'm not sure he's ever going to be a major league caliber starting pitcher. But what a turnaround for Brax. Yeah, this was an ex- another example of Mel Sotomayor Jr. waving mm. his magic wand on one of these pitchers and getting the absolute best out of him. This is the pitcher that Miami saw when they drafted him in 2016. Obviously, yeah. it was a previous regime, but wow, first on draft pick, left-hander, crazy curveball. I asked, you know, our good buddy Eli, well, who, what's better, Luzardo's off-speed pitch or Braxton's? He's like, well, Luzardo's is a little bit better because it plays off the fastball, but Braxton's has been amazing. He struck out 11 guys. I think he's done that twice this year now. Twice. Yep. And just what that, what that means for this team, the fact that, hey, we got another starting pitcher, a young, controllable arm that, hey, we can plug in confidently in the middle or back end of our rotation. So that is ginormous for this team. I can't believe I failed to mention him. <laughs> and I wasn't doing that on purpose. It's just like for me, thinking about Eddie, it's like can Eddie come in, show that he can stay healthy? And to your point yeah. as well, like you got to be careful with these numbers, but the strength of schedule the Marlins face is the hardest of any team, I believe, for the next two months. So yep. all the way out, the, the Marlins are going to be facing tough lineups, teams in the hunt effectively. So his numbers will be real, in my opinion. Like, it's yep. not going to be softball city going on, playing the Nats every day. Like, Eddie's numbers are going to be real. It's going to be interesting. Brax's are going to be real. I think Brax has had some quite easy matchups as well, to be honest with you. Like, you know, the Nats a couple of times and the Reds. And, you know, so I think I'm intrigued to see how he finishes up. But the key bit there is... Is Brax real? Is Eddie healthy? Then that gives you confidence to maybe move on to Pablo Lopez to think these guys can actually fill the rotation and go and get that impact back. Because Braxton Garrett alone, it's not going to be enough to go and get a stud hitter. Like, it isn't. Like, it's going to need Pablo to get an absolute difference maker. It is. And so I'm intrigued to see the way it goes. And, uh, you know, and and equally, like you said, Mel Stoudemire is the man, right? It all comes back to Mel. He's the most valuable dude in baseball. I said yesterday on the show, if, if he traded Mel Stoudemire, he gets more of a haul than Juan Soto, I'm telling you. The value to this club has been like, you know, a 20 war per season, I would say, for Mel Stoudemire. He's absolutely wild. So yeah. I'm intrigued. Where's your head at thinking about um, managerial and um, coaching uh, pieces? Clearly the other thread knocking around post-deadline um, and Craig Mish reporting. Don Manningly, uncertain on the future. Where's your Where's your gut feel taking you on this one? I think it's all but certain that this will be Donnie's last year. There's mm-hmm. going to be no shortage of, you know, front office positions for him to take whenever he wants. Yeah. You know, if I were a betting man, I would put a, a lump sum on uh, on the fact that he doesn't manage in 2023 for the Marlins anyway. It was a great run. He's been here since 2016. Obviously, yeah. he's had some tough teams to endure in, from 2018, 2019. A hundred loss season in there. It, it hasn't been easy. I think he's done the best he can with the club that he's been given. He's a great guy, one of the best guys in all of baseball, never throws his players under the bus. And it's been an honor for me to speak to him as often as I am able to. 
But yeah, I, I think it's time for a change. And I think the front office realizes that. And it's not based on him being a bad manager. It's just, hey, it's, mm. it's time for a change. As simple as that. I'm with you. James Rousen in the mix to replace him? Or will it be just a kind of complete reshuffle? From what I hear, no. I, no. I don't think they go with James Rousen. Yeah. Interesting. Because at the time when he was brought in, you were thinking, you know, yeah. he's the next in line. Mm-hmm. Obviously coming off, you know, a huge offensive season with the Minnesota Twins. But let's be honest, like the offense has regressed, I would say, since James Rousen's been around. Like, you know, the guys are getting worse and they, they go to other teams and other guys start to hit and find themselves. So, you know, I don't think his credentials fully play. I'm with you. I think Donnie is last year um, as the manager. I think not the last year with the Marlins. I think um, yeah. he, he stays with the fish yeah. and I don't think Rousen takes over. So, yeah, a um, couple of other comments. I really want to circle back onto this deadline, mate, and kind of get into a few of the, well, the trade that was made, equally some of the ones that weren't, um, aside from Pablo. But before we do that, guys, reminder, this episode, it's also brought to you by our good friends over at Built Bar. So if you haven't tried those Built Bar puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. That is a massive statement, but Built Bar puffs, they are that good. And they've got tons of flavors, tons, tons of flavors. So let me introduce you to the new favorite. It's Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs. Boy, oh boy. They've got a light, chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And they're only 160 calories and a whopping 15 grams in protein. Boy, oh boy. Absolutely perfect. So if you're liking what you're hearing, get yourself over to built.com. You can use the promo code LOCKED15. It's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Reminder, promo code LOCKED15. All right, Isaac, let's wrap up here, mate, with um, the deadline. And the only move that was made, which was, I felt actually a nice move. I was impressed that this uh, this return. Bass and Pop, um, plus a player to be named later. And Groshans comes back from the Blue Jays. What was your reaction to this one? I mean, yeah, I said it on the Fish Stripes Live before the, the day before the deadline that okay they're at least going to make one move and that move has to be to to trade anthony bass you're going to sell high on quite possibly the top 15 reliever in the national league this year maybe in all of baseball he is wild phenomenal it's amazing if it weren't for braxton garrett he would be my comeback player of the of the year um so you saw him that trade coming for sure the blue jays were a good match so i was happy with that trade you trade two relief two right-handed relief pitchers that are so fickle so you trade them for a a fourth prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays system. Mm. He's had some inconsistencies. Jordan Groshans, shortstop, third baseman, probably winds up at third base. Not the best defensive shortstop, but that's where they're going to play him. He made his organizational debut yesterday, and he played at short. Had I think he went one for four, one for five. Yeah, it was an all right trade. You know, B B plus. My thought was that the combination of Bass and his three million dollar cheap uh, option for next year, plus Pop's infinite amount of years of control, could have netted yeah. you something a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But it's a fine trade. They attack the area of need for this team, which is, you know, left side of the infield, upper minors depth. And that's what yeah. this guy is. Jordan Groshans has a chance to be an everyday regular if he starts to impact the ball a little bit more. But it was a fine trade. Completely agree. Perfect assessment. No need to spend any more time on that one. One specific guy we haven't talked about and that is still on the roster and hit a home run last night. Jesus Aguilar remains with the Marlins. I am completely shocked that they didn't move him for anything. Like, anything at all. I'm shocked that Jesus Aguilar remains on this roster. Um, what was your take on that one? I, I didn't get it. I, I thought that whether they could find a trade, like, you know, it's tough. He is owed a little bit of money and he's yeah. not performing, you know, very well. So it was going to be tough to find a partner. 
But if they, you know, pass August 2nd and they still, they couldn't trade them, you simply, you know, you move on and you give Lewin the rest of these two months. I, you know, we don't know what we're going to have from Lewin DS. If I were them, it would behoove them to say, okay, let's let Lewin play every day at first base. Cooper, let him DH. He's arguably your best pure hitter on the team. And mm-hmm. just move on from Jesus Aguilar. He's an expiring contract who's struggling mightily. And they refuse to move on. And to, I don't understand. That was, that's, their refusal to move on from him, plus not doing a few other moves that I thought they should have made, makes the trade deadline a C, C minus for me. Oh, I agree. The trade deadline was seriously underwhelming in many ways. I think, you know, I think we wanted action. I think just because this, this roster is so imbalanced and there's so many challenges the Marlins are facing here, like it feels like action needs to be made. Which is why it's slightly frustrating to me when I hear Kim saying, hey, we're just sitting there seeing what comes to us. More of a passive approach, right? I'd like to see some aggression. You know, let's think back when Mike Hill's rolling around. He's making a move at the deadline, moving Zach Gallen that was like looking like an absolute stud and going and getting Jazz Chisholm, highly tired prospect, but was hitting like shit at that point as well. Like, you know, but big, big ballsy move that became franchise altering. You know, when you, you then look back, the Ozuna deal, it's a different situation. I, I completely get it, but you go out there, Ozuna, for Sandy, and Gallon, you know, and I think Mags, maybe Yamamoto as well. It's the best trade you've ever seen in your life, to be honest with you. So, you know, I, I didn't like the passive approach. And for me, that is either arrogance or not the truth, one of the two. Something didn't feel right with that for me. Like, the Marlins need to be aggressive. They've got the assets to do anything they want to. If they wanted mm-hmm. to get Soto, they could have got Soto. Let's, yep. let's break it down. They could have done. And... Okay, they maybe don't want to pay him, but nevertheless, like, passive to me was a bit of a slap in the face to us as fans. Like, I think the fans are feeling a little bit kind of disheartened right now. But what, if you were going to, if you had one move you could make at this deadline that didn't happen, what what would you have tried to have done differently, maybe? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, though. Uh, You know, I'm (laughs) half, half on the Pablo trade. I think whether they got a good guy or not, or they decided to keep him. I think it was fine. So I think it was a win-win situation whether you traded him or kept him. Me so too. it wouldn't have been to trade Pablo to me. Just move on from Jesus Aguilar. It's either no that, whatever way you can, or make some moves for those double-A, triple-A bullpen guys like Andrew Nardi, Josh Simpson. All of them are going to have to be put on the 40-man roster at some point. Now Burdick is already finally up, so we know that. But they have a lot of moves they have to make before the end of the season. And they could have done something about that yesterday, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's going to hurt. So that would have been the move. Just create some roster spots. DFA or trade Jesus Aguilar, if you could have. Great yeah. guy. One of the leaders of this clubhouse. You got no such doubt. great value for him in 2020. You picked him up. Had a great year in 2020. Had a great year in 2021. Yeah. It's okay to move on. You know, he's an expiring contract that you're obviously not going to pick up for next season. So I think yeah. that was the most crazy non-move for me was that all three of those guys, Lewin, Cooper, and Aggie are still all on the major league roster. No doubt. I mean, let's be honest, two of them performed last night. They were the, the game winners in the game and, yeah. and Lewin sat on the bench. So, you know, it's funny the way, you know, it works. Sure. But I'm completely with you. It's funny, right? Where the Phillies, you know, today the news drops, they've DFA DD Gregorius. So Gregorius yeah. is out of town for the Phils. Like they're thinking, Hey, we're clearing the decks. We're going a different direction. I don't know. Maybe it's the injuries more generally for the fish, the lack of offense like around. I don't know. Maybe they're thinking we can just keep one as a bench bat. But the problem we face, and this is what you touched on, is you, you can't prioritize playing time over Lewin. And, you know, Lewin, just, we just have to see what we got. We know what we're getting with the glove. It's sexy. Oof. Does the stick play? 
Does the stick play or not? And if it doesn't play, they need to rethink what they do in the offseason at first base because otherwise it's going to be a big problem because Garrett Cooper you know, needs to sit in that DH spot more often than not, in my opinion. If indeed they stick with Coop, I think he's into his final arb year as well. So, so many decisions to make for the Marlins, but so little time for us to get into it. We are bang out of it. So uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, Isaac, uh, where can everyone find you on Twitter? If they aren't watching the show and have the graphics to help them, where can they get you if they aren't already following you? Uh, my first and last name, Isaac Zoot, you know, spelled normally I-S-A-A-C-A-Z-O-U-T. Twitter, uh, follow Fish Stripes guys, you know, obviously Fish Stripes on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, everything. We're there on all platforms and follow us on the podcast streams as well. You got it. And where do you normally sit when you go to the ball, uh, the ballpark as well? Where's the usual? Well, when I'm not um, spot. in the press box, when I'm, when I'm not in the press box, I like to sit third base side in the Marlins dugout if I can. We did splurge a little bit yesterday, and we were right behind home plate. I mean, a lot of people saw us on TV, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're usually on the third base side. Sometimes right field is a great view. The ballpark is small enough where there's not a bad seat in the whole stadium. So yeah. right field upper deck is one of my favorite spots as well. Nice. Well, I hope to get myself over there real soon. It's um, it's probably going to be next year now. I, I feel like I'm going to go early in the year. I'm going to prioritize yeah. April and when it's um, when when we're still in the hunt, perhaps. Maybe May. I don't know. We'll see. But um, that's us out of here for Thursday's edition of Locked on Marlins. And thank you for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow with a full series preview with the Cubs. And it's with the UK Cubs crew. So look forward to that one. In the meantime, enjoy the off day. And I'll be back tomorrow.